It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's a tough spot for the Vikings and for Dalvin Cook because you can't make the argument that he's not worth some of the money he's asking, but the running back position typically has not been paid. The Vikings this offseason, though, did redo the contract of quarterback Kirk Cousins, giving him $30 million a year. I think Dalvin Cook would like to make that over the course of, say, three seasons. And so with one year left in his contract, it's scheduled to pay him $1.3 million. He doesn't want to go. Interesting stuff yesterday about Dalvin Cook that we're going to dive into here on Mackie and Judd. And we're bringing back Minnesota Sports Rewind on the show today. Let's talk about Federated here for a brief moment. Federated Insurance wants to express their gratitude for you local business owners out there. You are our community partners, our neighbors, our families, and our friends. And when you need Federated, Federated is here to help. Think about how many things have changed and are just different the last 90 days or so as a business owner. You just want to make sure that you have a trusted resource standing behind you in Federated. And Federated has been around for over 100 years based in Owatonna, Minnesota. So they've got a ton of experience in helping business owners out there. Uh, specifically, when you succeed, this is how they measure their success as a company. Their value is measured by the success of their clients, which means when you succeed, they succeed at Federated. Federatedinsurance.com is your spot for trusted resources you may need during this pandemic or uh, during the reopening of different businesses. And remember, at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And now you've got the running back saying he won't be in camp, won't show up until he's got that reasonable deal. So these two sides basically are in a stare down. They haven't spoken since last week. Look, something could always get done before training camp, but they haven't come close so far, and there's no reason to think that they will get close before camp begins. Thus, here comes a storyline in Minnesota. Well, we knew this was coming at some point, right? Some, there had to be some sort of resolution, either be it through a contract extension or through Dalvin Cook threatening to hold out or holding out in some form. But welcome to the show. It's Mackie and Judd here. We're bringing back Minnesota Sports Rewind on the podcast today. A dive into one of the most prominent pivot points in Twins history that we'll get to. And I don't even, I don't even know if they made the right decision. Which well, there's a lot of questions oh, off that. I don't know if they made the right decision. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We'll see, all right? But how do you guys feel about Dalvin Cook, the story that came out yesterday? And, and, and you guys did an emergency Purple Daily reaction piece. If you want to find that, youtube.com slash score north and Purple Daily for Daily Vikings conversations as well. But Dalvin Cook sounds like behind the scenes is playing the I ain't showing up for any more 
Zoom workouts yeah. or training No camp more or virtual anything. training for me. The timing of this is very interesting. It is. It's not great if you are the Dalvin Cook camp. Um, so this became, we knew that this was potentially going to become a story when it was, I believe, reported by our buddy Tom Pelissero of NFL Network and um, .com that Dalvin Cook, I believe it was in April, right after the draft, was going to show up for the virtual offseason program. Yeah. Which ordinarily you're like, okay, virtual offseason program. But that was established that he was going to do that in good faith, I believe, Phil, as a step towards a, a new contract. Now, let me start off by, by saying my reaction when I did the emergency uh, Purple Podcast with Declan yesterday and my reaction today have not changed one bit. But I'm curious what you think of that reaction because I feel like my brethren in the uh, in the media in this town don't agree with me. Most of what I'm seeing and reading today Call up by names, is an yeah. overwhelming Call feeling. No, I mean Sid, Courtney, and Collar, and Gessling, and and it, it's fine. But I Bunch feel of smart people, smart yeah, people. yeah. People who cover the team feel as if this is just going to get done. That it's a probably a necessary step. That it's going to force the Vikings' hand. Yeah, and that by the time training camp opens up, Dalvin Cook. Uh, is going to have a new contract because he's so important to this team's offense. I'm not disputing the second part, but here's why I think that this is, if we were to play the game smoke or fire, I think that this is potentially fire, is the timing. The timing the timing, and Dalvin's position. So if we didn't have a pandemic, okay, if there was no pandemic, Dalvin Cook still plays a position, I think, at which we could all have a very spirited debate about what he should make, no matter how good he might be. Uh, But because the timing right now does include a pandemic, does include financial uncertainty, and of course goes back to what I just said, which is does include the fact that Dalvin Cook plays a position at which we can debate how much you should pay a player for how long. Um, It's no mistake that Ian Rappaport, who essentially works for the league, Uh, reported last week that the 2021 salary cap, because it's not expected there's going to be fans in attendance or there won't be for a while, and and if there is, it's going to be social distancing, reported last week, Phil Mackey, that the salary cap for 2021 might come down by $40 million or more per per team. That's not not a report by some guy from his mom's basement on a blog. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not Declan Goff. This is a guy who who works for the league. Um, So he's told things by the league that are probably... On point, the salary cap is coming way down. If it's coming down by that much, I understand that if it was going up, you could probably work a Dalvin Cook contract, and it might hurt, but it wouldn't kill you. But you're a huge portion of your cap if this happens. Let's say it comes down by 30 mil. is going to be taken up by the likes of Kirk Cousins, which is your choice, and that's fine. He's your quarterback. But I think that there's fire here because at some point in time, the Vikings, and I think that this is the prudent and smart thing, the Vikings have to say, hold on, guys, we got to stop here. Like, we just can't give this guy the contract he, he wants because we don't know what the future is going to hold. And and to be clear, if the salary cap comes down by $40 million in 2021, Phil, I don't think it's going up by 50 the next year. I think it's going to be a build back up. And so all of these things, and Dalvin Cook has never played a full season. Dalvin Cook is going to be 25, which in human years, you're very young Mm -hmm. and and have lots of life left, thank God. (laughs) But in running back years, 
The clock's ticking. Yeah. I, just, I think that there is a lot of fire here, and any just straight assumption that this is going to get done because it always gets done is a reach to me. So let me ask you this before, because I, I have a very strong opinion on this now, and I, want, I, and I will give it in a second. But if, if Dalvin Cook plays this out, let's say the Vikings, for all the reasons you just said, the Vikings are like, listen, we just don't know. Like we, we would really prefer to sort of go through into the fall and kind of figure this out. He, he does become an unrestricted free agent. As of right now, he becomes an unrestricted free agent for 2021. So he has this last year on his contract in which right. uh, in which his cap hit is only $2 million. The top running backs in the NFL are between 12 and $16 million. If Dalvin Cook wants to play hardball, how much hardball can he play? I don't think he can play as much as his camp probably thinks in part because I didn't realize this uh, Courtney and um, Courtney Cronin and uh, Ben Gessling both pointed to this in the pieces that they wrote. And it's very interesting. Well, shockingly, the players took another hit in the new CBA this time. Now with how it's written, if you don't show up for day one, of training camp, you forfeit an accrued season. Well, in Dalvin cook's case, season four is the one that would uh, put him into the unrestricted free agency market. If Dalvin Cook doesn't show up for day one, so not like five days, day one of training camp and shows up after that, he forfeits an accrued season in year four. So now he would have, after 2023 years accrued, and that would make him a restricted free agent, meaning the Vikings would have the right to put a first-round tag on him and make it very difficult for, or much more difficult for a team to sign him. Yeah. So he doesn't have as much leverage as as he probably should to make a play like this. And so I'm just sort of making a list here from the Vikings of all the different reasons why I would sign him to a contract extension and all the different reasons why I wouldn't sign him to a contract extension. And before I go through that list, the answer is very obvious. You cannot sign him to a massive contract extension at any point this summer. You can't. Mm-hmm. When you start to stack up the reasons, like if the reasons for wanting Delvin Cook on your team are very obvious. He's one of the most talented running backs and multifaceted, dangerous running backs in the NFL. The dude, if he plays a full season, the dude's going to wind up catching 60 or 70 passes, maybe more. He's going he's gonna to run for over 1,000 yards. He's a high-usage player when he is on the field. And so there are definitely reasons mm-hmm. to not want to get rid of one of your best offensive weapons just without any thought. So, like, I just want to make that clear that this isn't just a no-brainer decision. But when you start to lay out all the different things that you'd have to check off here, to, to to validate a Dalvin Cook massive contract extension. Number one, his position. He's a running back. Running backs suffer ACL injuries at a higher rate than a lot of other positions. Running backs fall off the cliff more quickly and suddenly than any other player at any other position. Dalvin Cook on top of that has a lot of injuries in his history, okay? Uh, the Vikings already have salary cap issues, and if this Ian Rappaport steam from a couple weeks ago is correct... If the cap comes back way further, if if all of a sudden the NFL is shaving 20% off of its salary cap, having a highly paid running back becomes even more problematic on top of the fact that you have a highly paid quarterback that isn't exactly one of the top five guys in the NFL, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Vikings also have a competent, not, not Delvin Cook caliber, but competent backup running back in Alex Madison that doesn't make very much money at all, mm-hmm. uh, but could step in and probably run for 1,000 yards if you gave him the ball enough. All of these things, to me, make it almost impossible for you to just jump right in and make him one of the highest-paid running backs in the NFL. Um, I've sort of changed my tune on this from earlier in the summer. In, after the Ian Rappaport report, 
If I knew the salary cap was going to be two hundred plus million dollars again, or if it was going to take another step forward, all right, not ideal overpaying for running back, but the fact that there's probably not going to be full stadiums this fall, and that we are very likely headed toward a scaling back of the cap, having a highly paid running back on your roster is a huge, huge problem. So. I'm sorry, Dalvin, but like the last couple of weeks, the circumstances have changed for me on this. My answer was different one month ago, but that right. Ian Rappaport report is so interesting. And if you're talking about a $160 million cap versus now, if Dalvin wants, listen, if Dalvin wants to be reasonable and Dalvin wants to make instead of $15 million, like other top running backs, if Dalvin's like, listen, I get it. All those things are valid. I'm not asking for 15. I'll take seven or eight. My, listen, I, my base salary is 1.3 million right now. Let's five exit. Get me to seven or eight million dollars, and I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I'm engaged in a conversation. Mm-hmm. If he's playing hardball in this climate right now for fifteen million dollars a year, yep, I say goodbye to Dalvin Cook, or at the very least, I stare him down. That's what I do. I, I, I try yes. to get to because this is the other path yes. you could take. You could if if you can stare him down, and and he ultimately like he has to report if what you're saying is correct he has to report so that he can get to free agency in 2021 right why not get to free agency in 2021 when you know what the landscape looks like and you know what the other offers are going to be mm-hmm. unless he's so pissed that you didn't give him an offer that he won't even you know entertain what? That's signing too bad, with though. you that's too bad things you you said it and and it's not just true of Dalvin Cook it's true of of the country things have changed man sorry about that your timing sucks I mean, there's no, there's nobody to fault for the fact that the unknowns. And if I'm a Vikings fan, first of all, I look at this team and I say, you know what? I think it's a competitive team. Do I think it's a Super Bowl team? I do not. No way. And if I'm a Vikings fan and you tell me we can, uh, your team can tie up a bunch of cash down the line, potentially with a bunch of unknowns in a running back. I say, whoa, hold on a second. Let me submit to you a list of positions at which I would rather spend that cash. And I know he's important, and I know that he's a good player. But but Christian McCaffrey, who signed a deal with the Carolina Panthers that's going to make him $16 million per season, has never missed a game, same draft class as Dalvin, in his entire career. Mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook has never played a full 16-game schedule. That's a big deal. And if he wants, if he wants to be paid like McCaffrey or uh, Zeke, which it sounds like that was the starting point from his camp, absolutely not. And, and it's interesting because, and this has been reported by a few folks, Phil. Um, it's now out there that his, that the Cook camp is coming down in, in its ask, and that they would take something more along the uh, thirteen million dollar per year range that <laughs> David so- Johnson of Houston gets, who was just traded by. Arizona. Now I, I would will, be using David Johnson as a comp now, for why exactly, you should pay running back thirteen million dollars. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I enter into evidence to Google David Johnson's career God. and look at that, and tell me that's not the poster child of a NFL running back who's pretty damn good at one point, and it goes quickly. Yeah. So you can't, so, you can't use David Johnson if you're but, his agent. I, and <laughs> it's I ain't, so dumb. And I ain't paying him thirteen mil per year either. I'm with <laughs> you. I'd be more than happy. His base salary for 2020 is a complete joke. I get that, okay? I'd be more than happy to tear up that contract and give him a contract that's going to give him a favorable payday. But like a lot of people right now in this country, that favorable payday is going to have to be far different from what he and his agent and representatives thought it was going to be probably in December. That's just too bad. Can you imagine, like, if if you're... 
Here's the equivalent. If you're Dalvin Cook's agent and you're thinking about using David Johnson as a comp, right? Let's say we're not asking for Christian McCaffrey money. We're looking at this David Johnson contract. Can you imagine if Aaron Judge's agent in Major League Baseball was like, listen, we're just we're looking at the Albert Pujols contract as our comp right yeah. now. Like, you didn't regret that at all, did you, Angels? Okay, we'll come down to the Josh Hamilton contract. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like that contract What about more? the Mike Hampton contract? Yeah, that was a good one, too. But I'm sorry. I can't do that. I, I really think the answer is, Dalvin, we love you, and we want you to play for the Vikings for a very long time, but we have to wait this out. We don't know what the salary cap's going to be. Quite frankly, like as much as we love you, we would really like to see you put up a healthy season in 2020. Yep. And if we can agree that we love you and we just need to see a couple things play out, then let's let's let you get a fair taste of the market when you hit unrestricted free agency in 2021. And let's 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 just let's just get all the information. I just I I don't know if you take that to him and his agent, they're going to be offended by it. Okay. Though. That's what happens in sports. But if he knows if he knows that the Vikings hold day one of training camp and he's not there, and that that's going to cost him the accrued season. That's going to get him to unrestricted free agency. You got him. I'm sorry, but you got him right there. And and he's got his his people need to sit him down to. And explain this to him, and perhaps this needs to be explained by extension to them as well. Are you going to be Zeke and miss training camp and sign a great new big deal that's going to average potentially 15 mil per season because your team is going to cave? Or Melvin Gordon, who who didn't show yeah. up for Chargers training camp. They came in and did exactly what we're talking about, Phil. They offered, at some point in time during Gordon's holdout, they offered him 10 mil per year, and he's like, no. Nah, not enough. And so they yeah. said, bleep it, we're done. He came back, played under his old contract, had a bad year, and has since signed with uh, Denver because the rules of the CBA that apply now didn't apply then. It's like $8 million a year right. for a two-year deal or something. Right, like but, the point, but the point being is everyone has to explain to the Cook people, yeah, it, you could be Zeke, and if you are, God bless you. But with the current climate, I think there's a hell of a lot better chance of Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I'll give you a, one more example, sort of a cross-sport but local example here. The other thing you want to be careful about if you're the Vikings, when you're dealing with a salary cap and you're trying to – you're because half the battle in the NFL is making sure – and the NBA is the same way – making sure that you're not jammed up against the cap and you're not leaving yourself without a pivot point, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you just want to make sure that if opportunities arise, you can capitalize on them. And the Timberwolves made this mistake – three or four years ago when they bid against themselves with Andrew Wiggins. And I am not comparing Dalvin Cook to Andrew Wiggins. Dalvin Cook is one of the best players at his position in the NFL. Andrew Wiggins was one of the least efficient players in the NFL. But in both cases, like the Timberwolves, rather than letting Andrew Wiggins hit at the time, it would have been restricted free agency. So it's a little bit apples to oranges, but rather than letting the market set itself, all right, what would other teams pay for Andrew Wiggins in this spot? knowing what we know and then like having all the information out there. And then if we want to match that offer, we can match that offer. I promise you, if Andrew Wiggins would have hit restricted free agency, mm-hmm. nobody would have offered him a super max contract for $30 million a year. The Wolves bid against themselves in that instance, right. and they screwed their franchise for two or three extra years. On the on the Vikings front, maybe I'm wrong on this, but if if Dalvin Cook right now were to hit unrestricted free agency before the 2020 season. Yep. Would anybody be offering him Zeke Elliott or Christian McCaffrey money? No. I don't think so. No. Because of all the things. It'd be irresponsible. So why would would you step in and bid against yourself if 
other teams wouldn't pay him $15 million. Why, why would you pay him 13 to $15 million? Let, let the market set Dalvin Cook's value after the 2020 season at this point and figure out what the salary cap's going to be. That, it, it's a, it's a, I see it clear as day at this point. Yeah, and Courtney also reported that um, multiple league sources said the Vikings' initial offer to the Cook uh, camp was below $10 million per year. Um, but I think that that's exactly about right. I think I, I would go to him and offer him a, probably a three-year contract. I would average out something between probably eight and ten and say this is this is the best that we can do. And I think that's incredibly fair because he deserves to make more. Totally get that. But if you were to give me a, a chart of positions right now in this sport that you would pay as much as possible to, Running back wouldn't be near the top. That's yeah. that's just the reality of the situation right now and in this league. You can read more reaction on the Dalvin Cook news that came out yesterday, scorenorth.com. And don't forget, we have a daily Viking show, Purple Daily. Judd and I have taken the reins on Purple Daily over the last five weeks or so. And so we're pumping out daily Vikings conversations. And you can find that Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. And also... Vikings videos in your YouTube feed, youtube.com slash score north. We bring back Minnesota Sports Rewind after a quick pause here to talk about Luther Brookdale Toyota 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard, where uh, they're kicking off summer with some great offers. By the way, summer was aggressively here yesterday. It was very, hot. very swassy yesterday. Very wait, hot. Wait till tomorrow. Wednesday, it's supposed to be like a high of 65. Oh, welcome no, back. To, welcome back to Minnesota, boys. Some fall specials at yeah, exactly. Luther Toyota. Uh, but right now you can get 0% interest for 60 months on all certified pre-owned Camrys and RAV4s. I've been a Camry and a RAV4 guy since I got my driver's license uh, 15, 16, what, I guess 19 years ago. I'm older than I think I am. Um, You're getting up there. I know. Got gray in my beard. All hybrids also have 0% financing as well. You can save a little gas, save a little money. 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard, and you can shop online at LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. With that, I congratulate Joe, his family, and everybody involved in his youth, and, and anybody that's ever touched this young man in any of the sports that he's played. Certainly done a wonderful job, and I'd like to introduce to you Joe Maurer. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's Minnesota Sports Rewind. Up the middle and a leadoff base hit. His first major league hit. And it starts the bottom of the ninth. And they are rocking Ridley Field. The Cubs have gone ahead in this series. Two games to one on a masterpiece from the young Mark Pryor. A two-hitter against the Braves. Welcome back, Minnesota Sports Rewind. Where we dive into prominent Minnesota sports events, games, trades, moments. Mackie, Judd, Declan. And gentlemen, this episode, and there's, there's, there's like 20 episodes for y'all to binge on the Minnesota Sports Rewind feed, but we're going to officially adopt Minnesota Sports Rewind on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed as well. So you can find it uh, as part of the Mackie and Judd show every week. And also, if you want to just have all of the episodes in one feed, subscribe to Minnesota Sports Rewind, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. But we're going to go back to June 5th, 2001. That's right. We're going to go back 19 years ago this week, basically. Or last week. Sort of like Yeah, close enough. Week. You're close enough. Somewhere in there. Roll with it. It sounded good. My, uh, my DeLorean is quite It sounded like we were doing something right on time. Yeah. 
Totally coincidental that we almost nailed the date of this, by the way. <laughs> so the Minnesota Twins had the number one overall pick, and this episode is all about the choice that they made. Joe Maurer drafting the local boy from Creighton Durham Hall, one of the best high school players in the country. Sweet swing, Phil Mackey. The Joe Maurer quick swing. Did you guys ever use the Joe Maurer quick swing? Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it, probably because I didn't have a quick swing. <laughs> Straight well, up. It was supposed to help you, Declan. <laughs> Straight up. I was no, just bad at baseball. I was too old for that. The so quick swing would have been would have been better if it was clear, right? If you could see the ball sort of traveling. Yeah, through. or just you know swing mechanics. Look at you guys know. now just ripping apart poor Joe and no, his it's dad, fine. his I, whole family. I'm admitting that I suck at baseball. I just I I wanted to be Joe Mauer. Are you kidding me? I want to hit singles. Would, that sounds great. Would Joe Mauer's quick swing have if you would have showed uh, young Josh Donaldson when he was trying to revamp Whoa. his swing to use the quick swing? I don't know if that chop quick to the ball thing wouldn't have worked, but. but but the Twins made the decision to draft Joe Maurer number one overall instead of phenom uh, top college arm Mark Pryor, I believe, went to USC yes. for his college baseball. He did. And it was at the time, it was, I think, you know, I think in Minnesota, it was kind of a celebration of, yeah, Joe Maurer, he was maybe going to go play football at FSU. But there was also a lot of follow up questions about, oh, but wait a second, did you just like draft a local kid because he's local and he's cheaper? cheaper? Should you have maybe have drafted Mark Pryor over here? Mm-hmm. So we're going to dive into a bunch of key questions in and around this. But to set the scene, the Twins do select Joe Maurer. He receives a $5.1 million signing bonus to be the number one overall pick. Mark Pryor received a $4 million signing bonus. So the Twins paid a higher signing bonus to Joe Maurer. But Pryor also came along with a five-year, $10 million guaranteed major league contract straight out of college. And and he pitched a little bit. Mark so Mark Pryor was just like major league ready right out of the gate. Right. He was just ready to play. Right. He made nine starts in the minor leagues in two thousand two and then was up with the Cubs later that season. So they just they put him in the minors to get his feet wet and he dominated and then he was just a major league pitcher right away in two thousand two. Um so real quick, Judd, what do you remember? Do you remember the surroundings? Because you were you weren't covering the twins, but you were at the start of you like yeah. what was kind of the word from what you recall from the Rices and and the Jim Suhans, et cetera. The, the immediate Lavelle. assumption, I think, among a lot of people who had a voice about the pick was, man, are the Twins cheap? Like, I'm sure Joe Maurer's a, a nice player, but keep in mind, too, Mark Pryor was basically seen as a sure thing immediately. And he was. So, so, so was. the fact that the Cubs uh, fast-tracked him like they did was part of that plan, no surprise. So whomever got Pryor was going to do that. That, that was part of the uh, mandate. And, and, in fact, Pryor's dad got into screaming matches with, with the Twins because the Twins wouldn't say that they were definitely going to draft his kid first. And then he said, well, then just don't draft my son. You're a bunch of cheap SOBs, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I remember that there was... Aside from from the locals who just liked the fact that the kid from Creighton Durham Hall had gone uh, first overall in that draft, there were a lot of people with a voice about the pick who thought that this was the team being, again, at that time, incredibly cheap. Yeah. Um, so here's my first key question. Let's just jump right into this. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this question out, and then I have my strongest take on this, and you guys can cut me apart if you want to. The first key question is: Would the Twins actually have been better off? drafting Mark Pryor than Joe Maurer. And, I, and let me explain this, okay? Oh, I get it. Joe Maurer... I have a follow-up question to your question, but I okay. get it. Joe Maurer very clearly had the better career. He had, when it's all said and done, Joe Maurer might be a Hall of Fame baseball player. 
And Joe Maurer is one of the greatest twins of all time. Twins Hall of Fame, 300 hitter, one of the greatest on-base machines of his era and in his position, and also one of the best defensive catchers of his era. Yep. All these things. like it, Joe Maurer's 10-year run as a catcher from 2004 through basically 2014, outside of one clunker season in 2011, is one of the great 10-year runs of a catcher in Major League history. And then he had the, the, the first base era to wind down his career, kind of, and it kind of taints his career a little bit, injuries and stuff. So there's, I am not arguing that Mark Pryor had the better career. Joe Maurer had the better career, period. But the Twins from 2002 through 2004 had some really, really good teams that just needed like one extra thing to get over the hump in yes. the American League playoffs. Yes. Joe Maurer didn't even come along until sort of the end of that period. Joe Maurer was not a part of the 2002 Twins. He was not a part of the 2003 Twins. 2004, he played for a little bit, got hurt, and I believe it was... Uh, Slipped on the uh, warning track behind home plate and ripped up his knee a little bit or hurt his knee. Right. So they had, what's his uh, backup catcher guy who hit like Henry 200? Blanco. Henry Blanco. Blanco. So from 2002... Yeah, great defense. Great catcher. What are you guys talking about, he man? Was. Tools he's, of ignorance fit him well. He's a great defensive catcher. From 2002 through oh, 2004, the yep. Twins had a really, really good team, and they had Johan Santana, but they yeah. just like, they never really had... Liriano didn't didn't come along until 2006. Over that three-year stretch, Mark Pryor, from age 21 through 23, was one of the best starting pitchers in baseball. Mark Pryor posted ERAs of 332, 243, and then 402 in 2004, which was still well above league average. It was steroid era. And he led the, he led the major leagues in strikeout rate in 2005. He finished third in Cy Young voting in 2003 and was an all-star, went 18 and 6. <sighs> Would the Twins have won a World Series with Mark Pryor and Johan Santana somewhere between 2002 and 2004? And I think the answer might be yes. So your question... They beat the Yankees in a game in 03 and 04 with Johan and like Kyle Loesch, basically. Much like a, a court of law, I think your question has to be put in the parameter of what you're asking exactly, which is, over the entire extent of the career, was this the right pick? Or are we talking about in the scope of a four-year period where Mark Pryor probably, dare I say this as well, used correctly, not abused because he was abused by the Cubs. Mark Pryor used correctly in that rotation in the period that you're talking about gives you, if they wouldn't have won a World Series, they would have had a far better chance if you had immediately plugged him in and paid him. But make no mistake, the ultimate answer to the question is the Twins never had any intention of paying Pryor what he wanted. So so that's the interesting thing about this Rewind episode is we're almost talking about something that, in my opinion, couldn't have happened because the Twins wouldn't pay him. But if we're, ta- but if we're talking about going for it, so let's just let's throw everything out, how we feel about Maurer, uh, Pryor got hurt. I get that, but let's throw all those things out and let's just go with would the Twins have won a World Series in the time of Mark Pryor's career with the Twins because we know that they didn't with Joe. I think the answer is there's a very good chance that rotation would have been really damn good. Dude, they're they're they, really good. They would have had, so Johan Santana became a starting pitcher in 2002. He he started like Actually, 2002-2003, Johan was kind of this hybrid. Like, he started 15 to 20 games and came out of the bullpen a little bit, and they were just trying to limit his innings. Mm-hmm. 
but he was a starting pitcher in the playoffs in 2003. By 2004, he was just flat out the best starting pitcher in baseball, basically. It was him and there might have been a couple other candidates. And Mark Pryor was in a list of the top five there as well. And Kerry Wood with Chicago. So your rotations would have been in 2002, you would have had, by the time the playoffs rolled around, if you wanted, you would have had Johan Santana, Mark Pryor, and Brad Radke as like your number three starter Mm -hmm. going in Mm -hmm. against that Angels team. In the American League Championship Adam Kennedy, Series, baby. Uh, that wasn't quite the Joe Mays year. That was two thousand one. Yeah, Adam Kennedy with he's the, got the only two home, three home runs that of his life. Basically. Freaking rally monkey! You had the you had Rick Reed in the mix at one point, but he was kind of but it, but it would have been centered around Johan Santana, yep. Mark Pryor, yep. and Brad Radke For, in a playoff series. Yes, that's pretty damn good. And Joe Nathan as the closer. Something else to note, though, when the Twins made that draft pick in 2001, they were coming, like, there's a reason why they were picking number one, Mm because they were terrible. So they weren't exactly thinking with that draft pick, boy, we're just one, if we can just get this last piece to the puzzle. But your your question now comes back, at this point, to be a really intriguing one. Would they have, within that scope of that time period that, that we're talking about, would they have won a World Series? And you just gave me a rotation going back to 2002 that would have made you, in a playoff series, pretty damn formidable. Declan, what do you think? I don't think so. I don't think they win a World Series with Mark Pryor. I think I look at the one year that he was really, really good in 2003, where he was a third in Cy Young voting and, and was dominant. That was really only the one season. And I know they got screwed because of Bartman in a big way. He played a, a large part in that. But I look at all those Twins teams, and I don't know if just Mark Pryor is the reason they were able to get over an ALDS against the Yankees or get over the ALCS against the Angels. I think there was far too many things at play that Mark Pryor wouldn't be able to solve and get them over the hump. You look at some of the. I like their chances. I I, I honestly I really like I, their I think they would. Like I, I mean, it's hard. It's impossible to say because like right. we had to go back, but. It is funny. The other the other part of this argument too is if the Twins would have drafted Mark Pryor, like we're sitting here having this conversation saying, well, his he was a ticking time bomb and his arm would have blown up in two thousand six. That's not necessarily the true. Twins almost criminally the other way were were very very cautious with pitchers. I mean, right. we brought up Johan Sant. They limited Johan Santana's innings. Johan Santana was ready to be a starting pitcher in two thousand two, and they limited him until two thousand four. And even in 2004, it was, like, Johan wasn't out there throwing 120 pitches every single outing. Dusty Baker basically said, all right, uh, this is probably my last shot. I'm old. Well, yeah. And Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor yeah. are both awesome. And the Cubs haven't won a World Series in 100 years. So let's just let's do it. Just throw them out there. Dusty, see what happens. should we go to the bullpen? Nah, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. <laughs> so this is these are Mark Pryor in 2003. These are Mark Pryor pitch counts down the stretch. Okay, this is his first... Full major league season in 2003. And Mark Pryor is throwing 116, 118, 100, 116. It's not funny. I'm sorry. Then we get to September. These are Mark Pryor's pitch counts. 131, 129, 109, 124, 131, and 133 what? heading into the postseason. Between six and nine every oh single God, time. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yeah. And then 2003. That's criminal. Pitch counts in the playoffs. These are high-stress innings in the playoffs against some of the best teams in baseball, right? 133, 116, and 119. And he was great in all three of his postseason outings in 2003. He he gave up uh, only six runs in 23. But but they they just rode him into the ground. Did the Twins, in your mind now, in retrospect with hindsight as your friend, make a mistake? (sighs) Oh. 
Because you're talking World Series here, man. You I can't. Do. That's I do. not a light. I honest to God do. Thing to say. It's crazy. And Joe Mauer, like I've been to Joe Mauer. This does not. This is not an indictment on Joe Mauer. Declan's PO'd right now. Mark Pryor, in, in with the benefit of hindsight, and the, again, the Twins weren't when the Twins drafted Joe Mauer. Right, they, I got you. I hear they you. They weren't thinking having that they were going to have a World Series window from O two to O four. Like they were hopeful that they had some players coming up. Right, but they didn't. They, there's no way they would have said gun to the head right now as you make this draft pick. Are you, is your World Series window going to open up next year? Right. There's no way they would have said that. Although, although this was the 2001 draft. They were one of the best. Maybe I'm wrong here. They were one of the best teams in baseball on June 5th, 2001. Yes. Because they got off to a ridiculous hot start. TK's last year, yeah. So maybe they did see the window opening. So this is going to sound crazy. But I think, because I think the Twins would have won a World Series if Mark Pryor was in their starting rotation, then therefore it was a mistake to draft Joe Maher over Mark Pryor. Man, that's a good hot take. That is a great (laughs) hot take. Declan's not happy about it, but I think it's a great hot take. I mean, it's it's my opinion. Just like my opinion, man. Oh, wow. <laughs> Pulling me over. Wow. Uh, I don't know, man. Hey, there's still a police department to pull you over. <laughs> you guys can How find about me. that? Find me on this, I right? didn't know that we still the, had one. The Zolgadden Sun Police Department. Yeah. He, he, here's the other thing. Okay? Work out of our house. So so you're you're not going to find, is it fair to say that like of all the, the, the punishment, Joe Maurer yeah. has received a lot of punishment from media and fans in this town. And yep. I've been the Joe Maurer like. Mount Rushmore of Joe Maurer defenders. I am George Washington in this town. I just like yeah. I, I've always stood up for him as a player, as a guy. Uh, just I, I think he's, I think he's one of the greatest twins of all time. But if you look at the twins when he when he first arrived, really on the scene in 2005, when he was like, all right, he's healthy, he's ready to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. From 2005 all the way through the end, they only really had like one or two meaningful playoff pushes, and so like 2006. 2009-10s, like they had like three really go for it type seasons in his in the meat of his career as a Twins player. Yeah, I'm not really counting. Was he on that wild card team in 17? I can't remember. But like it was, it was basically was, yeah. 06. It was 06. It was 09, and it was 2010. Yep. They really could have used him in 03 and 04, right? Like they needed that extra thing to get over the hump, and he just wasn't ready yet because he was. They drafted him out of high school. So what I'm saying is, in retrospect, Mark Pryor would have given them a better chance to win a World Series in the time that they were most ready to win a World Series. I think you're probably right about that. Yeah. I don't know that I I don't – I'm a little bit more torn than you are probably on if that was a mistake because he did prove as a catcher to be so damn good. Sure. Um, but then, of course, comes the other key question after you draft Joe Maurer. And you're looking at him and saying, oh, my God, this guy can hit. He is a generationally great player. Should we have him catch? I don't know about that. Okay, that's the next key question. Did the Twins make a mistake by not moving Joe Maurer to a different position? Absolutely, because you would move him now. And 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 they keep in mind too, at that time guys were being moved. Biggio started as a catcher with the Astros. They're like, "No, no, no, no. This ain't going to work." We have seen we saw players around that era being moved. Now, I think it's almost an an automatic that you are moved. Um, yeah, I think the Twins made a mistake by not moving him, let's say, with that arm to right field. I probably would have moved him to the outfield and not first base initially, um, and then had the option later in his career to do exactly what they did do. Uh, but with a guy who can hit like that with that size and that frame, is it a good idea to have him play what 
I would guess is arguably the, if not one of the most stressful position in all of pro sports. Yeah. I be- I believe that the Twins helped expedite Mauer's exit as an elite player. As an elite player. Yeah. By not moving him from catcher. I get that he was a great catcher, but I don't think the trade-off ultimately was worth it. So, yes, I think they made a mistake by not transitioning him to the outfield probably right away. You know, uh, third base would have been a really interesting one because he was a great athlete. Mm-hmm. He you know, he would have played college football. He would have played quarterback. Uh, I think early in his career, he was a great base runner who ran well for a catcher, too. Yep. You don't have to be lightning fast to play third base, but you got to be quick. Be smart. Yep. Like Miguel Sano, not quick enough to play third base, so you move him. Jamar was in good shape. He yep. was quick. He had great hands. I think the reason why catcher was was such an appealing spot for him is because if you have a guy that gets that hits 300 and gets on base at a 400 clip at that position, it just raises the water level of your whole lineup so much because there's only like five or six good hitting catchers in baseball at any given time. The rest of them are just kind of garbage because it's it's a taxing, physically taxing position. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the Twins were able to run out a catcher that hit at that level for 10 years and still have a first baseman that could hit at an MVP level and still have a Brian Dozier at second base later on in Joe Maurer's career, right? And still have Torrey Hunter in center field. Like it makes your lineup so much better, but at the same time, you're limiting what he could have done offensively. He was such a wildly talented offensive player. If he would have played a less taxing position, be it first base, third base, or a corner outfield spot, he would have put up better power numbers. He probably would have hit for even a higher batting average and a higher on base percentage. I love to bring this fact up because it really illustrates how taxing playing catcher is. In the history of baseball, there's like 25 hitters in the 500 home run club. So just going back to the early 1900s, there's about 25 players, a couple dozen players, who've hit 500 home runs in their careers. None of them are catchers, for one. Mm -hmm. Only one catcher ever has hit 400 home runs, and only... Seven catchers, eight catchers ever have hit 300 home runs in their career. Wow. So the, the the 500 home run club has 25 players. The 300 home run club for catchers only includes eight players. And Joe Maurer is not in that club, just so everyone knows. Uh, Ivan Rodriguez, Lance Parrish, Gary Carter, Yogi Berra, Carlton Fisk, Johnny Bench, Mike Piazza is the only one with over 400. And I think that shows you, like, if Yogi Berra had played a different, less taxing position... He's probably in the 500 home run club. If if Johnny Bench, like Johnny Bench is in the five or 600 home run club, but usually you are physically shot at that position by the time you are 29, 30, 31 years old. Running back. And then your numbers drop. It is. It truly it's is. the running back of baseball. So you know that you're getting, when you have th- that great of a player at that position, you're getting right. a ton of positional value, but you're also limiting how long their career can be and how great their offensive upside can be. And that's what happened with Joe Maurer. Well, what, what if it's flipped? What if he starts at third base and he wins those four batting titles and he wins an MVP in 09, but then in 2013 he does suffer a significant injury, whether it's a concussion or an ACL, whatever, and his career is then shortened and he's no longer the player he is. Do we look at him as a Hall of Fame player like he is right now? I don't think so. Exactly. We probably don't, but but keep in mind, the concussions were the uh, multitude and the buildup of being hit by foul tips. So, like, the the way to get him hurt playing third base is a much farther. It's sure. much more difficult. So he didn't get hurt in some fluky, oh, he tore up his knee, you know, rounding second base. He got hurt because through the years he took multiple foul tips 
um, which just began to take their toll. So I would say that the odds of him getting hurt significantly and derailing his career, which in, in my mind is pretty much what took place that day against the Mets at Target Field, is a long shot. Um, so I, I think that if he starts, let's say he starts in right or at third base, I think what you have is probably, and, and I don't know if the power changes significantly, but I think what you have is probably Carew's career, if nothing else, mm-hmm. which is which is a, what, 15 to 20 year Hall of Fame career where there is not a drop off at all, basically, at the plate until maybe the end. I'm glad you brought up Rod Carew's career because there's actually a lot of parallels. They would seem like very opposite players. They played different positions. Uh, they played in different eras. Rod Sweet Carew, swings, man. Yeah, Rod Carew played until he was 40 years old. But un- it, it, the tough part is Joe Maurer's numbers dropped off at the end. It's like Joe Maurer was like a 320 career hitter until the last few years of his career. But right. both were high batting average, batting title guys. Both guys were on-base machines that got on base at near a 400 clip. Uh, neither one of them really hit for a lot of power, but both hit a ton of doubles. Yes. Rod Carew had the advantage of also racking up stolen bases in his career, but Joe Maurer had the advantage of playing a more taxing, difficult position at a high level. I think I think you're right. If Joe Maurer doesn't play catcher, he probably does hit. He, he's probably Tony Gwynn, Rod Carew. He has that sweet swing, those hands. He probably plays until he's 37. He's probably playing now. He's probably yeah. playing until he's 37, he 30 years, years old, just a pure natural hitter. Yes, right? yes. Uh, and for the record, Joe Maurer in his career as a catcher ranks seventh on the all-time batting average list, just behind Mike Piazza and some other old guys from the early 1900s, like <laughs> Bubbles Hargrave and Bubbles Davis. Bubbles was hot. I, I watch yeah. Bubbles games oh, Bubbles on Hargrave. Uh, out there now. I'm throwing the ball around. WR all the time. Now. Fantastic guy. Bubbles Hargrave. Bubbles Hargrave. And, and here, so... <laughs> Here's my question too. If if you move per, if you move Mauer and he starts his career at a different position, keep in mind, and he might have driven people absolutely bonkers. AJ Perzinski, for the most part, still had a very productive career after he left here. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not as if you didn't have a catcher. It's not as if you said, well, okay, that's fine. We moved Mauer to right field, and now Judd Henry Blanco is catching every day. That's not the case. So you could have moved uh, Joe and swallowed hard and said, yeah, he's a pain in the ass, but Krasinski can play. And think how long it took them. They they had Koski, but Koski was kind of gone by like 2004. Think about how many third basemen they ran through. They, you know, Punto was starting at third base for a while in and 2006. Mike Lamb, and Mike Lamb. Mike Lamb Joe Creedy. Joe Creedy. Batista? Brian Busher. God, they've been looking for third baseman. If Joe Maurer had been their third baseman, Brian Kierzynski stays. Where should Brian Busher come from? I love Brian Busher. All right, next What's key the next question? question? Next key question, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, let's go with this one, just plain and simple. Did Joe Maurer live up to the hype? I think the answer, and my guess is there's a lot of Twins fans who will say, absolutely not, look at the end, okay? I think he did. I think when you put together a career at catcher where, where you become the first catcher, first catcher in the American league, I believe at the time to win a batting title. Mm-hmm. I believe only one or two other catchers in the history of baseball in the national league had done that. Okay. When you do that, when you put together the 2009 campaign after missing what April and coming back in May, but put together the MVP campaign that he did. When you look at what this guy did in the prime, and this is why I think he is a hall of fame catcher. I think he belongs in Cooperstown 
based on that body of work. I think that you can fairly say, okay, the first base years weren't great, but if you take if Joe Maurer uh, gets the foul tip against the Mets and is out and says, you know what, guys, I'm done. I, I think that there's a very good case that Joe Maurer goes into the Hall of Fame as a catcher based on that yeah. portion of his career. I I really believe that it's unfair to say that when you put together statistically what he did playing the position he did that he didn't live up to the hype. I think that's completely unfair. I think I, I, I think he lived up to the hype as well. And I have a, I have an exercise for us. But Declan, do you think he lived up to the hype? A hundred percent. If you look at his war of what fifty five in his career and all the accolades that he did as a number one pick, I mean. Look at all the number one picks that have been bust. There's more of them. There's more of them. There's going to be more people that were bust than what Joe Maurer was able to do. He 100% lived up to his hype. So that's the exercise I want to go through here, which is, I, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back like probably eight or ten years just to get, because Carlos Correa was a number one pick. His career hasn't played out yet. Uh, most of the guys picked number one overall. Like Royce Lewis hasn't even gotten to the major leagues yet. But let's go back to the 2011 draft, Garrett Cole, and let's go back further. Than, like We'll just go back like 15, 20 number one picks. Let's compare Joe Maurer to the other number one overall picks. Did Joe Maurer have a better career than blank? Okay, the other number one picks. Okay. Garrett Cole. Actually, the, the jury's still out I was going to say that's the hard to decide because I'm not quite sure on, on Cole. He, so, he could turn out to be a, a great Bronx bomber. So, like, Bryce Harper, jury's still out. Yep. Uh, Steven Strasburg, jury's still out. Yep. Uh, all right, let's start with David Price, 2007 number one pick. I think Maurer's had a better career. Yeah, than Maurer's. Yeah, Maurer's. Okay. Let's see here. Uh, Luke Hoshevar. Yeah, no. Unless Joe... I'm Luke sure. Hoshevar was a number one pick? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. I feel oh, like Joe Maurer had, like, 400 off that guy in his career. <laughs> yeah. I would not be surprised. Okay, Luke yeah. Hoshevar was a large part of the reason why Joe Maurer's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Justin Upton. Mauer. Oh, Mauer. Mauer, 100%. These next three are easy. Matt Bush, Delman Young, Brian Bullington. Mauer, okay. Mauer, Matt Bush, Mauer. Padres, man. He was supposed to be a hot cool shot. Drug problems. Cool. Yeah. Interesting career. Yeah. Substance abuse, man. Adrian Gonzalez. Mauer. Mauer. It's Mauer. I like Gonzalez a lot, but it's Mauer. Josh Hamilton. Mauer. Un- Mauer. <laughs> it should have been Josh. Should have been Josh, but yeah, Mauer. But that's, you know, what happens. Again. Pat Burrell. Mauer. Oh, Pat Mauer. the Bat, yeah. I, I like Mauer. Pat Burrell, but. Matt Anderson and Chris Benson. Okay. Mauer. Mauer. Those Mauer. Saint Paul Saints players. No, Chris Benson was uh, the topic by the Pirates. Pirates, an anchor of my rotisserie baseball league team for a few His years. His wife, more famous than him, Anna Benson. Oh, yeah. She was. Like, kind she, of like a, she had some problems. Celebrity. Uh, Darren Erstad, number one pick. Mauer, but Erstad was very, very good. Yeah. Yeah, Mauer. Paul Wilson. Mauer. Pitcher, right, for the Mets? Right handed pitcher. Yep. Okay, Mauer. 1993, Alex Rodriguez. A-Rod. Okay, so you finally hit one. A-Rod, and even though he's very tainted and he's kind of a dummy, Alex Rodriguez is out of better It's career. A-Rod, yeah. It's A-Rod. So we got we to go back to... Mauer had done steroids, boys, huh? Maybe he did do steroids and all that. So we got to go back to 1993. Whoa, can't just throw that out there. Joe is clean. Joe didn't have a lot of bicep definition. Joe was, so. Joe's home run totals would have been much different. I don't know. Um, Alex Rodriguez into Phil Nevin, 1992. Another former... Um, That's Joe Maurer. Maurer, but Phil was pretty good. Brian Taylor, Maurer. Brian Taylor got in a fight and derailed his career as a pitcher with the Yankees. Chipper Jones. Uh, Chipper Jones. Chipper. Probably Chipper, Chipper, right? Love yeah. Chipper Jones. Love Chipper. Ben McDonald, Big Ben McDonald. We're, by the way, we're back to... You're like 67, Phil. Well, this is 1989. Yeah, I know. I'm kidding. I'm back to 1989. It's, it's, it's Maurer, but Ben McDonald, I think, did have a pretty solid career, but it's Maurer. Andy Bennis, 1988. It's Maurer. 
Ken Griffey Jr., we can all agree, okay. is Ken, Ken Griffey, Griffey Jr., right? So you're on three guys who had better careers. So uh, Jeff King, BJ Surhoff, Sean Abner, Tim Belcher, Sean Dunstan, Mike Moore, Daryl Strawberry. I'm back to 1980, and only three players have had three number one overall picks have had better Tim careers. Tim Belcher, than man. Twins took him and he wouldn't sign. They couldn't sign him. Timmy Belcher. All right, next key question, okay? Yep. If Pryor's presence, if I'm right, the Twins would have won a World Series between 2002 and 2004 with Mark Pryor. Yep. But then his arm blows up and he never pitches again. Basically, what happened with the Cubs. Yep. Would you take the short burst success with Mark Pryor? Would you take a World Series win between 02 and 04? Or would you rather have the borderline Hall of Fame career and longevity with Joe Maurer from a, from a Twins fan perspective. Oh, I take the World Series every I single time. There's no, there. It's not even a debate. I great career, great guy, hometown hero. I am taking a World Series I, parade. And I guess if you're framing it as, yeah, you know for a fact you're going to go to a World Series between 2002 and 2004. But I'll give you Joe Maurer, and he's going to have a better career, and you could win multiple World Series. I'm taking Pryor. I'll take the Pryor bet. So you guys agree with me then? The Twins made a mistake by drafting Joe Maurer no. or Mark Pryor. The pro- the no. problem is they the were question. never going to pay him. They were never going to pay it. It's not even that, that much salary. money. Think and they got in streaming years? matches with his father, and it all was ugly from the get-go. It was a five-year, $2 million a year contract. Did you, did you see who else they passed on, though? Because I believe he broke his ankle playing college baseball that spring, and he was in their top three until then. I think he fell out after that. Mark Teixeira? Mark Teixeira. He was like the number Next. five or six pick yes, overall. Yes, yeah. And that that's actually my question to you boys. If Phil's dreams do come true and and the commissioner's trophy, I think it's called that, Ugh. is parading down I-94 and Mark Pryor is in, in the back of the convertible carrying it, where is Joe Maurer playing? So if the Twins pick Teixeira, you're saying? No, Pryor. Saying? No, I'm, oh, I'm saying sorry, if okay. they take Pryor, where is Joe Maurer playing? Because I don't think it's a slam dunk. It's the Cubs. Well, here's the here are the next. I'll just go through the next picks here. It's a disaster. Joe Maurer, Mark Pryor, and Mark Deshere were like the only good players out of this draft. This yeah. is what happens. Jeremy Bonderman was 26. Was, was David Wright in that draft? Uh, he was not in this draft, I don't think. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. He was a, he was the 38th overall pick. Jeez. So David Wright. Did the Twins make a mistake by not taking David Wright? <laughs> Turns out he had some back issues and stuff too, right? Yeah. Yes. So Maurer prior to the Cubs, and then the Rays took Dewan Brazelton, yes. a oh, right-handed totally. pitcher. Yeah, great guy. The Phillies took Gavin Floyd. Yeah. You guys remember him? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nope. I think for the White Sox One of my mini irrational hatreds. Can't stand him. You're really, you can't stand Gavin Floyd? Can't stand Gavin. Yeah, I can't stand most of any player that pitched for the Tigers or White Sox from 2006 to 2011. Get over okay. it. Get over it. So Jeremy, anyway. Yeah, sorry. It's another the Rangers took Mark Teixeira. Yep. Then it was Expos. These are all busts. Like Josh Karp, Baltimore Orioles took Chris Smith. The Pirates took John Van Benshooten. Do you know Great who? Name. Do you know who I think takes Joe? Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was a pretty poorly run organization in two thousand one, though. Yeah, and but, they were looking for pitching. Yeah, that might be true. I was going to say because they would have loved the fact that he wouldn't have broke the bank. That's true. That's true. I'm trying to find other teams like that. The Royals at nine could have taken Joe Maurer. I don't think. What about the Brewers at twelve? Yeah. Where did Where did St. Louis hmm. pick? I feel like Joe Maher would have a whole long-lasting career in St. Louis. The, the, <laughs> Rami's going to come Oh, back. yeah, no, I can R- hear him. Rami's going to come already on drive line. to the studio and kill yeah. you. Yeah. St. Louis drafted late in the first round. They drafted that's a, too a late. Right. named Justin Perry. I think Maher goes top 10 for sure, and my guess is top five. For sure. Yep. So, all right, uh, last key question for you guys here. If Maher had stuck with football and gone to, a, to, to Florida State, 
what would have happened? How good of a quarterback would he have been? Would he have played the NFL? Could he have stayed healthy? Because if he could have stayed, let's just assume. Probably not. Let's assume for the sake of the conversation that he could have stayed healthy. I think he would have been a fantastic college quarterback. I think he would have played in the National Football League. And with that athletic ability and that size, I think he would have been damn good. Now, now I will come back to because he had injury problems in baseball starting, as you pointed out, Phil, in 2004. I don't know that he could have stayed on the field either at Florida State or in the NFL. But if we're going to just assume that he would have, I think he would have been a really, really good, solid quarterback who could have had success and possibly led, th- and possibly led the Purple to Super Bowl. I think, I think health is the biggest question. I think he would have been like a... I don't know. Now I'm doing like a like the white guy quarterback. You're Joe Flacco? Thing. Are you about to say Joe Flacco? Well, he does look a little bit like Joe Flacco. I was going to say like a Matt Ryan. Yeah, he would have been like a Matt that's Ryan. That's damn good. He's won an MVP. But I don't. Here's that's the problem. A good ceiling at, at at that position. I think you have to be kind of an alpha leader guy. It's really like think about the top quarterbacks in the NFL's history: the Peyton Mannings, the Tom Brady's, the just anyone you could think. of. Pat Mahomes right now. Yep. These are guys that people gravitate to in a room that will call people out yeah. that have sort of an True. alpha personality. True. And Joe has, even, even as the leader in that clubhouse, Joe was always more, I don't know if beta is the right word, but he was just more reserved and he was yeah. like, he wasn't going to be the rah, rah guy. And he wasn't going to get, I, I can't envision right. him before an NFL game doing the Drew Brees thing where it's like, okay, get everyone riled up, you know? Oh, geez guys, let's go win a game. Yeah. I'm not sure <laughs> Drew's going to be listened to now as much. That's a, uh, you know what? That's an, Interesting talker because you might be right there because Joe definitely Joe never seemed to at least from what we saw uh, have much control of things in that clubhouse. Now I will say that you certainly heard stories and it was pretty evident in his last year when he became emotional about it that guys that he did do some things to take control. I guess I'm just talking more from an athletic standpoint sure. and and quarterback standpoint on the field off the field. You're probably right. I will say this. If you had plopped Joe Maurer in, into a Vikings jersey the year that they took Christian Ponder and said, pick, Joe Maurer, better quarterback. You're Be- saying at that pro, exact yeah, moment. At that exact moment, Joe Maurer, better pro quarterback. I don't disagree with that. You're saying like having I'm played saying, no level above I'm high school. I'm saying if Joe Maurer had showed up at Winter Park the day that Ponder <laughs> was introduced from Florida State, right? That's a great hot take. As their, as their first-round pick, and Joe had, had been like, Listen, young man, why don't you take a seat? I am now the quarterback of this team. I think Joe Maurer steps in immediately, then not having played quarterback, and is a better pro quarterback with the Vikings than Christian Ponder ever was. The athletic ability is not close. I agree. I agree. All right, let's actually let's let's wrap this episode with Roycey and get his thoughts on Joe Maurer prior. Minnesota Sports Rewind with Mackie and Judd here. With that, I congratulate Joe, his family, and everybody involved in his youth and and anybody that's ever touched this young man in any of the sports that he's played, they've certainly done a wonderful job, and I'd like to introduce to you Joe Maurer. All right, Pat, we're doing this Minnesota Sports Rewind episode on the 2001 draft in which the Twins uh, took Joe Maurer instead of Mark Pryor, and I told I told these guys, as much as I am, I am on the Mount Rushmore of Joe Maurer defenders, I am George Washington over these past 10 years, but I think... I think Mark Pryor pushes the Twins to a World Series between 2002 and 2004, and therefore, by that logic, it was the wrong decision to draft Joe Maurer over Mark Pryor. Your thoughts? Well, uh, they were. Uh, I think there was a financial consideration for sure because I, I 
the prior family, you know, the old man tried to do everything he could to dissuade the twins from drafting him. So they did not, uh, they did not, for some reason, they did not want uh, the twins to draft, uh, draft him number one. I think we all kind of uh, criticized them when they uh, took Joe and said, uh, but that also was old one. And we weren't really sure that we were seeing a, uh, World Series contender in the making. They were playing well, obviously, in June of 2001, but they were also coming off eight straight losing seasons. And I would say, in retrospect, uh, you can't claim that they would have won a World Series with Breyer. So I would, I would, I would go with the Joe pick. So that, that in, in retrospect, I think I probably wrote something saying they should take Breyer, and I think I was wrong. So take that, Mackie. <laughs> No, no. I mean, I'm not saying that Joe's. I'm not saying Phil's theory is uh, wrong. I'm just saying that, uh, in retrospect, I think they made the right choice. So, do you think Patrick? No, with with Pryor, once his arm went dead, uh, I mean, would have the decade? Would it would have '04 to 2010 been as good without Maurer? I don't think so. Yeah, but but do do the, the twins handling a prior cause his arm to go as dead as Dusty Baker? Phil, Phil went through the pitch counts of prior in Chicago. It's it's, it's hilarious, mind boggling. Yeah, the, it's like 130, 120, 130 <laughs> pitches every game for like three months to end that season in 03. Hey, they were trying to win your World Series that you're talking. I about, know. Guardy so, Guardy uh, doesn't let him go one thirty though. I don't think. I don't. <laughs> I think uh, one thirty. <laughs> It doesn't, but uh, you know, I, I think that uh, you guys are uh, you're, you you rarely do this, but I think you're uh, in, you know engaging in some speculation. <laughs> well, that is. Are wait you, a second. What type of speculation, rarely, Pat? Rare, rarely happens that Fryer wouldn't have thrown as many pitches, so that his arm wouldn't have blown out, so then the Twins would have uh, won. Reckless speculation. <laughs> Reckless retrospective speculation. <laughs> you gotta get a new Manny haircut <laughs> from a long time ago. Yes, uh, but uh, you know it was uh, it was a hell of a draft, wasn't it? When you look at some of the mediocre, lousy. When you look at a draft where Adam Johnson gets picked third uh, compared to this one, this was a uh, this was you know Deshera was there and. Uh, you could also make a case maybe they should have taken him, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, David Wright was a was a late first round pick in that draft. No, but but, but who else was? Uh, Those were the was three the main guys at the top. It was mostly it was because Dewan Brazelton yeah, went yeah. third. More, yeah, Brazelton was mentioned a lot, and the Twins actually liked him a lot. But uh, uh, there's there's somebody else. I thought there was another one like a fifth. Jeremy Jeremy Bonderman was in the first round of that draft. Yeah, yeah, that was a hell of a draft. So, uh, but uh, you know, Joe turned out uh, okay. Oh, Bobby, he, Bobby Crosby, remember him, the shortstop of the future for the Oakland days? Vaguely, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, what? Spoiler: he didn't turn out to not be the shortstop of the future. future. Yeah, and let's debate that next. <laughs> Bobby Crosby, where is he now? I'd forgotten until I read the script today that the first Twins first ever first ever draft choice. I remember when they took Eddie Leone and they didn't sign him. Uh, that was uh, that was uh, a start that Calvin didn't like the fact that these guys were asking for money to sign. What the hell? Draft started when Patrick late sixties. Well, Rick Mundy was the first ever uh, selection, I think. Rick Mundy, so sixty five, sixty five, okay, sixty six, something like that, wasn't it? Was I think sixty five or six? Uh, and boy, now I 
you you usually put should put in there. I think Rick Mundy was the first pick instead of Rick Mundy was the first pick. I'm uh, I, I, that's my recollection. Anyway, but I was in St. Cloud then, and I was drinking, so maybe I forget. Well, yes, yeah, so, sure. hold on, I'll check it. I bet you're right. I bet you're right. I bet it was him. Uh, your your thoughts on Dalvin Cook. Do you think he gets a contract extension, or do you think the Vikings say, you know what, sorry, but things have changed, buddy? Well, has Dalvin officially said he's not going to – is he officially holding out yet? Or he is. A, is, he officially, is he officially telling him, give me a new contract? Yes, the report, the report from Schefter, which I'm assuming came, had to come from the Cook camp, Yesterday, as he's he's done with the virtual off-season program, he's quitting it, and he will not show up for training camp without what he considers to be a fair contract. I believe, without reckless speculation, we all thought this was going to happen, didn't we? Yes. If you're a running back and you've been good, you have to do this. This is the only way you can get your money yep. because they're going to beat the crap out of you for two more years and then not pay you. You can't trust them. So uh, I, I don't blame him. He should uh, hold out uh, and uh, not show up and let these guys uh, let these guys uh, decide whether they want to take a shot at winning this year or not. I know, Patrick, that, that you're going to be shocked by this, but the new CBA gets even worse. If Dalvin Cook does not show up yeah. for day one of training camp, he does not get an accrued season, which means that at the end of 2020, he will be a restricted instead of unrestricted free agent. They si- they somehow got themselves they a signed, worse deal. They signed the really yes. So he's screwed. Doesn't so he can't come. Can he come back in game ten or not? Is that still in there or not? Well, probably just to get paid. Yes, but he does. But. But he doesn't get. No, he does. If you're not, if you're not there at the start of training yes. camp, you don't get a year. No accrued season, which is the difference wow. between restricted and unrestricted free agency for him, which of course is a huge deal. They got a worse contract. See, I don't want to make a reckless speculation, but I want to see uh, if DeMora Smith has an account in the Grand Caymans. That's what I want to know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Do you think he's it's got an island? Unbelievable! I don't His own know. island, like some people I do. No, this, this is unbelievable. And there was, you know, the the Brady's of the world were trying. Rogers were trying to tell these dummies, "Don't vote for this. It's not because of us. It's because of you." They deserve everything they get. They're risking. They're risking being dead or drooly by age forty-five. And they get screwed worse than any workforce in America. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. What a bunch of morons. It's true. It's true. Yeah, I can't. Yes, you're right. I never even saw that one. When did that pop up? Did we even know that? I didn't know it until Courtney and Gessling both wrote about in their stories today. Wow. I know. That's unbelievable. Well, hey, at least they're going to play, damn it. At least the NFL, at least those guys are going to roll their helmets out there and play. Baseball is going to sit around until next spring. Why do they pay their dues, though? I would not pay my dues. Nice thing about the NFL, though, is we'll be able to practice social distancing and be safe. It won't be, uh, you know, there won't be any, uh, there won't be any, it'll look like Big Island on uh, Sunday at the, uh, you know, with the thing. uh, Pat Elfline has no problem social distancing from uh, offensive tackles. Hey, what happened? I'm sorry. I've been running around. Any baseball news today yet? 
Nothing really today. Just uh, t- today, uh, I, Jeff Passan's been firing off some tweets here, He's but pissed though. Mostly about the well, math. It's mostly just people, the prominent writers and and prominent commentators, just shaming baseball for not being able to figure this out. Well, here's the deal, though, Judd. When we were talking yesterday, yep. the early report was they were giving them seventy five percent. Yes, uh, we were giving baseball far too much credit. They're giving them fifty percent. And then if you get in the playoffs, you can make more money, right? They're only giving them 50% of their salaries, uh, uh, you know, per day, per, uh, per day, you know. So th- there's no way they can take this one. I, I thought, okay, they're giving you 75%. Right. You got to go, but they're not. It's they're- funny that they're basically hoping, the, the owners are basically hoping that no one does the math on this. And the problem is everyone yeah. has a calculator on their phone. So yes, we're doing yes. the math. Well, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Well, it would be uh, between a five-round draft, eliminating the minor leagues, having no youth baseball, and uh, you know they're going to come out of this pandemic as the uh, seventh most popular sport in America, be a team sport in America behind lacrosse and cornhole. Yeah, yeah. cornhole's passed it now too. Cornhole. Tough union, too. Isn't Cornell kind of an individual sport? No, no, oh, no, 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 no. Paris. Yeah. It's a. It's very much a team sport, Pat. Even darts. Oh. I like darts. You like a good darts yeah. match? Good stuff. Darts, you think darts and baseball might be tight. Pat, have you, seen, have you seen what the title sponsorship, which company is the title sponsor for the Cornhole action on ESPN2? Johnsonville, right? Johnsonville Brats. One of the great sponsorships in America. That's right. And uh, one of the great brats in America too. Uh, right <laughs> Just burn that sucker up, right, Royce? You got to burn. You got to burn that thing, Chris. But in fact, my visits to the store, the Johnsonville Originals, have been sold out. Every you know, they got all this stuff with crap in them, cheddar and you know, jalapenos and pineapple and everything else. You can buy those, but the originals are sold out all the time. Yeah. I love bratwurst. I'm not gonna, not gonna lie to you guys. All right, that's that's no, a wrap. You're not serious about pineapple, are you? Oh, I mean, they put everything in these damn things. What's wrong with just a brat? Nothing just actually. Brat. Brats don't need, don't need a lot of help. Junkie. America, America. Yes, just make, America. put them on that grill and make them scream for help. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, three twenty-five is my max on my grill. There's uh, there's some clogging in there that I don't know how to. Be pick. careful with that grill. Easy, Those things can blow up. Seriously, yes. find a professional yes, to fix can. that, or or yes. Don will come help. Or one of Don's friends. Or Don, Don, Don will come help you because I I don't go near my grill. I'm scared of that All sucker. Right. All right, go get him, fellas. All right, see you, Pat. See you. Bye. Wrap with Royce. You can find his podcast too every week with Judd. It's called Royce Unchained, and Royce on Baseball is part of the Score North Twin Show. Mauer, great at cornhole. I guarantee you. How did? You, oh, I thought you knew. I thought you knew. No, be a cornhole champion. I'm I'm pretty sure he's naturally gifted at all things. That athletic ability. Yeah. Uh, and to, to what Patrick brought up, he's exactly right. He can't recall where his keys are today, but he can recall that in 1965, Rick Monday, drafted by the Kansas City Athletics, was the first ever out of Arizona State draft pick, number one draft pick in the baseball, in the initial baseball draft. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. Hey. Steel trap memory for our guy, Patrick Gracie. The 60s, he's got it covered. 70s, yeah. a little, little foggy. A little foggy. Now. All right, that's a wrap. You can always give us a five-star rating and a positive review, especially if you've made it this far on Mackie and Judd. If you've made it this far into the show, you must like us. You really like us. Give us a five-star review on Apple 
and uh, tell a couple friends about Mackie and Judd, the podcast, and Score North Purple Daily, where we have daily Vikings conversations on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Score North. We'll see you guys for Write That Down tomorrow. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.